This is 105.9 The Region. Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine covering the world of horse racing is brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Over to your hosts, Ann Romer and Larry Simpson. Good morning, I'm Ann Romer, and welcome to Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. Soon-to-be friend of the show, Woodbine Mohawk Park driver Doug McNair joins us today. Now, Doug is one of the top drivers in Canada and was up for an O'Brien Award last weekend for his many exploits on the track in 2022, a season that included winning his second national driving championship. With this victory, Doug will go on to represent Canada in this year's World Driving Championship to be held in the Netherlands, Belgium, and Germany. Doug McNair has steered over 4,200 winners with purse earnings of more than $74 million in his career. Want to meet Doug McNair? Well, stay tuned. Also today, retired jockey Jerry Olgeen, another soon-to-be friend of the show, was a frequent visitor to the Woodbine Winner's Circle before he retired in 2017 after winning his 2,000th race and accumulating purse earnings of almost $49 million in his career. Since his retirement, Jerry has stayed pretty busy in the thoroughbred business with success as a horse owner and as a jockey's agent. His most recent project is working with jockey Jose Campos, a native of Mexico, who had a very impressive debut in October at Woodbine last year with 16 wins, 69 top three finishes, and purse earnings of over $740,000 in the very short time he competed at the Toronto racetrack. Much of this success was made possible by Jerry Olgeen, whom we will meet for the first time today on Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. In addition, Tampa Bay Downs track announcer Jason Beam will be making his debut on Ponies 24-7. Who better to talk about the stakes-filled card at Tampa Bay than Jason, who likely has one of the best seats in the house. Included on today's Tampa race card is the Derby, and also a points race for the Kentucky Derby, which will be held in May. We will meet Jason Beam, and he'll help us break down the starters in the Tampa Bay Stakes events. And finally, he's back. I'm thrilled. Co-host Larry Simpson will once again try to sniff out some potential betting gems at Woodbine, Mohawk Park, and some other North American tracks racing today with our Ponies Picks of the Day, sponsored by Rocket Ship Racing. It's going to be a great show. Please get your HPI and Dark Horse accounts ready for some overtime, heavy-duty action today. When we come back, Larry Simpson joins us to catch up on some recent horse racing news. Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine, brought to you by Woodbine. Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. More from the track when we come back on 105.9 The Region. Go from Dark Horse to Winner. Dark Horse is Woodbine's new easy-to-use betting app that brings the thrill of the track right to you. Its AI-powered insights and strategies help you make smarter bets straight out of the gate. Feel the excitement of live-streamed horse races wherever you go. Get $30 to start betting when you sign up today using promo code GET30. Download the app for free at PlayDarkHorse.com. Available on Android and Apple devices. The Horsemen's Benevolent and Protective Association of Ontario, the HBPA, has represented thoroughbred owners and trainers at Woodbine and Fort Erie racetracks since 1950. The HBPA provides members and their hardworking employees with medical insurance, pensions, benevolence, negotiations with racetracks and government government and provides vital industry information to the horse people. For more information on the HBPA of Ontario, please visit our website at hbpa.on.ca. 
Lymphoma Canada and Ponies 24-7 recommend that you don't horse around with lymphoma. Lymphoma affects the lymphatic system of both horses and humans, and currently there are over 100,000 Canadians living with the disease. Lymphoma is also the most common cancer diagnosis for adolescents and young adults. Visit lymphoma.ca slash ponies to donate to the Don't Horse Around with Lymphoma campaign. With your help, we can promote early detection, assist newly diagnosed patients, and support lymphoma research. This is 105.9 The Region. Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine covering the world of horse racing is brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Over to your hosts, Ann Romer and Larry Simpson. Welcome back to Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. I'm Ann Romer. Let's bring in my co-host, Larry Simpson. Great to see you, but we start with some sad news from the horse racing world, and one really surprised me, the death of Burt Bacharach. Burt Bacharach was uh, obviously known for his uh, music career. He introduced uh, Dionne Warwick uh, you know, to the business and that, and he died Wednesday in Los Angeles of natural causes. Uh, he named his breeding operation Blue Seas Music. He was very big on the thoroughbred side. Uh, his biggest success came in the mid-90s with two horses whose uh, names were tied to his musical success, Soul of the Matter and Afternoon Delights. Uh, and Soul of the Matter won seven of 16 races, had career earnings of over $2.3 million, which was a lot of money back then. Yeah. And uh, he was a regular at the, on the California uh, horse racing uh, circuit. So uh, he passed away at 94 on uh, Wednesday. And more locally... Uh, trainer Tommy Bowden, um, who uh, was well known uh, in the woodbine circles for uh, for training horses, training thoroughbreds, and that he passed away uh, this past week, uh, which was unfortunate. And he was also known uh, to be. He worked at one time for trainer David Cross, who had uh, Sonny's Halo, who's Kentucky Derby winner, and uh, Tommy was actually the exercise rider for Sonny's Halo. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, uh, and he had a, a long, distinguished career uh, here in the Ontario racing circuit and that. So. Incredible man, both of them. And may they rest in peace. But mm-hmm. I know that both Tommy and Bert would say, on with the show. That's right. And that's what we're going to do. We're bringing in right now Doug McNair. You have an, an incredible career so far. Uh, you're a standard red driver. A career year last year in 2022 saw you winning 305 races for the first time, steering the winners of over $7 million. Hey, Doug McNair, welcome to Ponies 24 the radio magazine. Hey, thanks for having me. Well, let's get right into it with you, uh, Doug. Talk about the family ties in the harness racing industry. Uh, and was there ever a doubt that you wouldn't become part of the harness racing business? Yeah, I was, I was born into it both sides. Uh, my, my mom my mom and my dad, they both of the horses and and their parents were in the horses. So they, they my grandparents owned horses and mom and dad trained them. So I was uh, kind of destined to be into it. And, you know, maybe you didn't have a choice, but I know you did. What was it about this that drew you to it and has kept you in it? Yeah, you know, there's, I was the only one out of the uh, my brothers and sisters that used to go to the farm every day or every day when I, we didn't have school. So I was just into it I, ever since I was probably four or five years old. I wow. always looked up to the drivers more than anything, and mm-hmm. that's what I wanted to do. So, uh stuck with it and they get lucky. And you're doing it very, very well, I might add. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know about that, but (laughs) the odd day. (laughs) Did you always want to be a driver or did you maybe want to be a a trainer like your dad? No, like I said, I always just 
driving was the only thing. I just wanted to watch the, watch the races all the time and uh, just focused on the, the top guys from Woodbine and, and the top guys in the Meadowlands, and I, I just followed them, and they were just like celebrities to me when I was a young kid, so it's uh, just what I've always wanted to do was drive. And now you are a celebrity to others. And so every person I know in whatever career they are in, they have an aha moment. Was there one for you where you just went, aha, now I get it. Now I know what I'm doing. Now I know how to be the best. Uh, every day, like every night you learn, I still learn something. You know? I remember John Campbell said he's done he's done it all. And even when his last race, he's still learning. So it's, it's I mean, every, every night you're you're just kind of learning new things and and watching watching everybody else you're racing with. Because everybody does does uh, one or two things better than you do, so you just try to be the best. And you're an O'Brien Award winner, and you were up for an O'Brien Award this year. Uh, what has been the biggest highlight for you in your career to date? Uh, it's a tough question. There's been a lot of like huge, uh, huge highlights. But my my first one when I was really young, I was eighteen. I won the Battle of Waterloo. That was that one always that sticks out for me. And and uh, and, and then my first Breeders' Crown was two thousand seventeen with this horse called Stay Hungry. Mm-hmm. So I've always always wanted to like when you're when you're young, you always watch the the Cadillac Breeders' Crown they used to call them, and uh, to to be in them is just great, and to win one is just uh, just extra special. You're going to be representing Canada in August, and for the second time, you won the Canadian Driving Championship, which puts you in that position to represent us uh, in August. Tell me what that means to you, and explain what will go on. What there, it will be in several different locations in August. Talk to us about that. Yeah, so I'm not. We don't really have the itinerary yet, but it's uh, it's going to be in Belgium, Germany, and the Netherlands, and I imagine it's over a seven to ten day period. Not sure exactly how many races we're doing, but uh, I, I was fortunate enough to do it a couple of years ago in Sweden. So I kind of, I kind of know what's going on now, and uh, hopefully, hopefully we can bring home the gold. And you finished in the top five. So what will you do differently this time around to be to bring home the gold? Well, you, you know, I, I got I was lucky enough the whole time I was the last tournament. I was leading the whole tournament in the last day. I I, uh, I just kind of had a bad day, and it, it all came down to the last race. We we really couldn't obviously couldn't understand the language over there, and I didn't know where where we were situated points wise, and and uh, I was just kind of trying to go too hard with my horse in the last turn over there in the last race, and unfortunately made a break on me. And if if he didn't make a break, he would have finished second. I, I would have won the would have won the whole tournament. You know, we were, there was only two of us up by fifteen lengths, so it was just uh, it was devastating to hear that after. So, so I think. Uh, now that's obviously I'm just going to pay attention to the point system and see where I'm sitting at. <laughs> yeah, maybe for our listeners, Doug, you can talk a little bit about the the World Driving Championship and you know how what entails, um, like how many countries are involved, and uh, you know is there a selection process or a draw process for horses? Uh, are they all trotters? Uh, you know, how does it work? Yeah, over there, I, I think they're they're all trotters over there. Um, but Sweden definitely was all trotters, and it's it's just kind of we don't. I don't think we we draw any of the, any of our horses like we do it over here. And I think it's just kind of all random, and and uh, it's kind of the luck of the draw who you, who you get. And and like uh, I mean, you gotta you obviously got to be good and stuff. But you gotta I think I think you gotta be real lucky to win those things too. 
But you've got to be good at what you do, and you are. So it's taking place in August. It's on the other side of the world, if you will, in Europe. Tell me about the schedule. How soon prior to the race, uh, to the races, do you head over? How do you and and your horse uh, horses deal with jet lag? Um, yeah, so it's 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 just a driver's town. So I'm not taking any horses over with us. So uh, we we'll probably get there and maybe the day before the the first uh, the first race. You know, because it's like you said, it's in August of. So in the summertime, that's when our, our stake schedules are here. So it's it's really really hectic schedule. You don't we don't want to miss a lot of time here. Um, so I'll probably go there as late as I can, and I'll I'll try to get back as fast as I can after the last race there. You know, so it's going to be a pretty hectic schedule schedule because they have uh, there's a lot for you that goes on. I think that your day starts early in the morning, and and uh, I mean that they'll have you on I think planes and probably trains and buses <laughs> seven in the morning. You probably won't be back to the hotel. Sometimes midnight or two o'clock in the morning, so it's it's kind of a it's kind of a some days are long, but I mean it's you get to see obviously different parts of the world and different horses and different drivers, and it's it's it'd be it'd be a fun spot. Yeah, and I guess it is difficult in one sense, Doug. That yeah, you you basically have to pack up and 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 leave your business here to go over there, right? Right. Yeah. It's not uh, it's not, it's not easy. That's for sure. In the middle of uh, stake season. Yeah. And you're also driving horses that you have never driven before, right? And they're diff- and they're different, uh, like they're they're different breed. Like when we went to Sweden, um, over here the, the trotters are they're they're tough, a lot tougher driving than the pacers because they'll, they'll gallop on you, and you gotta you kind of gotta keep a hold of them. And, and it took us a little while to get used to those uh, those uh, trotters in Sweden and the French trotters and stuff because they're uh, other they're they're just different. They uh, they respond different, and it's, it's tough to uh, once you get onto them. It's a lot easier. It's easy once you once you get onto it, but it's they're a different uh, breed, that's for sure. All right, let's talk a little bit about yourself, especially twenty twenty two. As I mentioned earlier, you were uh, up for an O'Brien Award uh, again this year. Uh, were you happy with twenty twenty two, and or is there something that maybe you think you could have done better at? No, I was I was happy. That was. That was my biggest year, purse-wise, and um, I was actually at the O'Brien Awards. They do they do a little video before uh, before they announce the, the award winner, and, and uh, I was I was actually surprised how big a year I really did have, you know. So uh, <laughs> it was it was a big year, and James uh, McDonald he, uh, he he his was even bigger, and I don't know if anybody can ever top what he did last year. Yeah, who's James McDonald? nobody knew he was a couple years ago (laughs) and you've talked about different races that you've been in and that you've won and the battle of waterloo you brought up earlier so what is there a a race that has eluded you so far um as well as far as last year goes anytime one that you would would want to win want to be in but if that hasn't happened yet Oh, I'd say um, probably the North American Cup. It's uh, it's right at our home track. It, it goes for a million dollars. It's a it's a cream of the crop. I've, I've been in it. I've probably been in it five or six times, and I may I think the best I had was a third in it. So it's I mean I, I just hopefully one day I get to get to win that race. And that, another one was the Metro, and, and I was fortunate enough a couple of years ago to win that one. But they were kind of both on, the, on the, my list for up here, but definitely North American Cup now. This is a, a question I like to ask any driver that that comes on our show, uh, Doug. Uh, and you've mentioned 
basically the uh, you know the Battle of Waterloo, which was at Grand River on a small racetrack, and the Metro, which is at Woodbine Mohawk Park at a, at a larger track. Do you adjust your style? And is there a difference in, in driving style going from a half-mile track to a larger track like, say, the Meadowlands or uh, Woodbine? Oh, yeah, 100%. You know, uh, when, you, when you're racing the Grand River, a lot of the, a lot of the races that I've won over there are actually probably all the, the Battle of Waterloo's I've, I've won over there has been on the front end or, mm-hmm. or up close. You know, you got to uh, you got to be the, have a be the first one ahead in the first turn or, or get off the gate as fast as you can because there's four turns and and, and uh, it's a real short stretch. So you want to be you want to be on the front there for for sure or, or up close anyways. And and like you said, a bigger track. It's we got a quarter mile straight to, to finish the race. So. You don't have to be nearly as, as aggressive, but it's it's still a lot of the racing now is starting to change over the last five years, even or probably yeah, five years for sure. It's it's we got so they're so fast now these horses and they can carry their speed. It's 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 hard to win from. Not saying you can't win from off the pace anymore at Mohawk or Meadowlands, but it's it's pretty hard. You know you got to be you got to uh, they got to be racing pretty hard up front the first half for for you to win from way off the pace. So I mean you got to be aggressive now. I think even on the big track most of the time. And and is that in your nature to be aggressive and also are you prepared to to deal with the changes that you've seen in the last 5 years? Oh uh, yeah, I'm pretty aggressive. You can <laughs> everybody knows that. So uh, <laughs> um yeah, I, I I like the speed and I, I like the way the race is it's kind of kind of changed and there's uh I mean the only way they could they could maybe slow them down a bit is that they made a different distance or uh maybe made made the track a little deeper or something like that would be the only way to slow these horses down nowadays cause they're, they're they're bred so good and and like the bikes are so aerodynamic and the drivers are the drivers and trainers are they're they're next to like they're the they're the best they ever they ever were I think right 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 now so it's it's a it's a pretty fast bunch of horses yeah okay last question for you Doug. Uh, growing up, was there a driver that you basically watched and said, you know, I like that guy's style. I want to be, I want to drive like him. No, I was, I always watched the uh, John Campbell. Mm-hmm. He was, he was always, always my idol. He, he uh, everybody's a lot, probably 99% of people would tell you that, but he was from a small town where, where actually my, my grandfather's from. So it's pretty neat. He's from Canada, and and uh, he started the same track I started down in London. And uh, to, to do it, his career is just uh, it's, it's about the most perfect career you could ever see. He's kind of like Wayne Gretzky of hockey. That's uh, that's a very good way of putting it. So thank you, Doug McNair, for so much for joining us on Ponies Twenty Four Seven. Harness racing hero, you are my new one. Thank you for that. <laughs> and a friend of the show. <laughs> and a new friend of the show. That's great. I love. That's an honor. That is. <laughs> Larry says <All> right. so. <laughs> Thanks, guys. When we come back, retired Woodbine jockey and now jockey's agent Jerry Olgeen joins us today on Ponies Twenty Four Seven, the radio magazine. Ponies Twenty Four Seven, the radio magazine, brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Follow us on Twitter at. 105.9 The Region. We'll be right back. Enjoy the thrill of the race anytime with HPIBet.com, the number one betting site for experienced horse players. Join for free and watch and wager when you can't bet at the track. Stream live racing from over 500 tracks from around the world. Bet with ease from anywhere. It's safe and secure. Sign up today and get one month free live race streaming. Plus, for a limited time, get a $100 bonus and your first bet is on us. Go to HPIBet.com to join for free today. 
Pineview Hyundai, the smart choice of automobile dealerships combining horses and horsepower. For over 35 years, the Romeo family has been part of the Ontario thoroughbred racing industry, and they want to invite you to visit their Pineview dealership and view the award-winning Hyundai lineup today as the I Love Winter event is on now. Come see us at 3790 Highway 7 in Vaughan. Call us at 905-851-2851 or visit our website, pineviewauto.com, and see why Pineview Hyundai remains the smart choice. Ontario Racing, the excitement of thoroughbred, standardbred, and quarter horse racing at 15 racetracks. We are the voice of the Ontario horse racing industry, and we direct breed improvement programs, set annual race dates, and work on attracting new horse owners and race fans. Ontario Racing is committed to supporting a vibrant industry with one vision, working together for a stronger horse racing community. To get your horsepower, go to OntarioRacing.com and experience the excitement. Ontario Racing, three breeds, one vision. This is 105.9 The Region. Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine covering the world of horse racing is brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Over to your hosts, Ann Romer and Larry Simpson. Welcome back to Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. Jerry Olguin parlayed a successful riding career into holding the book of one of Mexico's leading jockeys, Jose Campos, who in a very short period of time that he rode at Woodbine last year, did the most with his opportunities, and he is looking forward to riding at Woodbine full-time starting this April. Hey, Jerry, welcome to Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. So good to have you with us. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. Uh, let's get right into it, uh, Jerry. Uh, I guess before we talked about Jose and uh, Luis Contreras, who uh, your 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 book uh, taking the book for, um, I want to talk to you about your career and, and your retirement and how it all happened with your two thousand uh, winter. You went you went to California for that, correct? Yeah, I did. I was trying to get it at Woodbine, but. I was riding a little too aggressive, and I kept getting suspended, and I didn't <laughs> get to do it at Woodbine. Yeah, I was like three three races short when the Woodbine meet ended, and uh, I was struggling with my weight so much, like I was wasn't eating and stuff like that, and I could not go another year with like riding again. So when the racing season was over, I went to California, and my dad was my agent, and. And I, I went to start riding right in January right away, and I got my 2,000 win. Oh, which must have been amazing for you. So may I ask you, how is retirement? And I don't think that you really are retired. <laughs> no, it's not retired. I just had kind of a transition. I, uh, when I quit riding, I wasn't sure what to do, honestly. But I just, uh, like I said, I couldn't eat very much because I'm kind of tall, 5'8", for a jockey. And mm. I was uh, losing weight every day and uh it was kind of, it was like getting stressed, too stressful for me, you know. And uh, even even when I win races, like after one or two days, like you, you just forget about it. You couldn't really enjoy it, you know. And you did win a lot of races. Like you won over 48 million during your career. Uh, talk about some of your bigger highlights as a jockey. Uh, as a jockey, winning a stake at Santa Anita felt really good. Uh, winning the Prince of Wales felt really good. And... Uh, I just uh, ride in Paladin Bay at Woodbine. Like, I, I like winning for a lot of small trainers, you know. It just gave me, it felt really good doing that, you know. Like, 
just like getting a horse ready to the race with, with the trainers to stop and winning it like it just feels really good well that's the horses let's talk about the greatest rider that you ever rode against jerry oh you can name so many because <laughs> uh i mean since i was 16 i was in the jocks room at santa anita with lafitte Kai, bill shoemaker gary stevens uh they're so eddie de la Hoose. i mean i can just go on and on and uh Patrick Valenzuela, there's so many jockeys that I, I learned from when I, like, I rode my first race at 15 years old in Tijuana, Mexico. Wow. So, yeah, I've, I've ridden with so many good jockeys. All right, talk about the journey to uh, becoming a jockey's agent now. Uh, you did have kind of a step in there that you actually got into owning some horses as well, correct? Yeah, when I quit riding and then I started working, uh, galloping horses, because I was, like I said, I wasn't sure what was going on. And uh, so I started working for Stuart Simon, and I asked him if uh, that if I worked for him, I would like to uh, to want a piece of a horse or something. And uh, he, we went to the sale, and he picked this horse out for us. Her name is Lorena. So I owned her, and uh, she, she did really good running, and I got really lucky. And then when I become an agent, I was I couldn't have a horse of my name, so I gave it to my son. So he's a, he mm. he's part owner now. I'll keep it in the family. So yeah. let, let me ask you this: What's it like being a jockey's agent? And and who was yours, or who were yours? I mean, that that kind of influenced you and moved you in that direction once you retired. Uh, my dad had a lot of a lot of to do with it, and uh, like uh, I was in the backside one morning actually working, and I was like just finished galloping, and uh, last year uh, two years ago, and Luis Contreras wasn't happy the way his season was uh, was going, and uh, and he asked me if I would take his book, but before that I already reached to Jose Campos, telling him that uh, this is what I wanted to do, so I was working on his papers like his visa to get him here because. I watched him ride in Mexico City, and my dad was actually his agent when he was in the press in California. So my dad got me to hook up with him, and then when Luis asked me, I said, oh, I'm going to give it a try. So I started hustling book the last three months. I think it was uh, 2021 for Luis. And uh, he did okay, but uh, uh, and then the next year I just started. So I've really only done it one full year, so I'm looking forward to this year. Well, we know what uh, Luis has done as, as a rider. And in the short time that uh, Jose was, was riding at Woodbine, he kind of made a big impact. Uh, what made him so special, do you think, in that you know he fit in so well to the Woodbine colony so well, so quickly? Uh, well, when he first came here, we started working really hard. And uh, I already, already showed some videos to some uh, top trainers at Woodbine of him riding. And uh, he's just like... He's real professional. He's got a good size for. A, he suits a horse is really good, and he's really a strong rider, and he's very focused on his job. So that's why I really like uh, having this, his book, honestly, because he like he wants to go to work and he just wants to ride races. And from your experience as a, a jockey, can you tell me what you are able to impart when it comes to Jose and Luis and and your future? Uh, jockeys that you will be representing what information what advice do you give them based on your own experience 
Well, I mean, I don't really have to motivate them. They're really motivated. So my part, I just want to put them on the livest horses I can. So I like to watch races when the races are running. And then, you know, when I see a horse getting trouble or somebody's not happy with their, their uh, the way the horse got ridden, because, I mean, they change jockeys a lot, too, lots of times. So I just, you know, go and see and ask them if they would like this horse to ride or whatever. And, you know, it's it's a different kind of business, but... Uh, it's, uh, I know so many people on the backside of Woodbine that, you know, like I've had relationships with a lot of people. So that's that's kind of that's kind of how I, I like to work. And I go, we go out every morning and walk around the barns and try to find some mounts for them. Yeah, and Jose, he got very hot at the end of the uh, Woodbine season, correct? So what was it that uh, you think? You, what what helped with this this streak of? Uh, wins and in the money uh, finishes that he had? I think because uh, he was really hungry and he just wanted to do good and he was riding really strong and hard and uh, uh, I, I, like I say, like he was, if he does not ride him, he's at the gym like, and he's mm-hmm. always watching replays and he's very, very dedicated to, to what he does. He's got a lot of good qualities for a jockey so I think like he, if anywhere he would go, he would win races. Can you compare his style to anyone else? Uh, well, everybody's got a unique style, but I, I just like uh, how strong he is of a finisher on the horses. And yeah, he's, and he's very tactical, like where he places his horses in the race. And, you know, sometimes that makes you win even when you're not on the best horse. And I think one of the backstories, uh, Jerry, is the fact that uh, Jose was riding here, but his family were still back in Mexico, correct? Correct, yeah. So uh, now we're going to start 2023. I'm still working on his papers because at the end of the season, I got to get him a new visa for this next year. So we started the process already. So hopefully I can get him back here by April and he's bringing his family to Woodbine. So that's going to make him ride even better, I believe. And why do you think that'll make him ride better to have his loved ones in you know, under the same roof at the same track? Because I did it myself. Like I traveled to places, and it's like when you when you're with your family, it seems like like when the races are over and you want to go out somewhere and you don't go out by yourself. You know, like you go out with your family, and it just like I don't know. There's something about being with your family that just makes you uh, do things a lot better. I believe. Yeah, and you actually grew up in Mexico, correct? Uh, yeah, I was born in San Diego, and I was raised in Tijuana, Mexico. Right, right. So, so I, I guess you can kind of understand a little deeper of what Jose is going through because of the, you know, you have that common uh, thing that, that you both kind of were involved in Mexico, grew up in Mexico in that, right? Yeah, both both my riders are both Mexican, actually. So, yeah, we have uh, good communication. And, yeah, I feel comfortable speaking to them in Spanish and stuff, you know. Like, I feel actually more comfortable because they're Mexican speaking to them in Spanish than English, mm-hmm. you know, so, can, so we both kind of understand. Can we go back in time to talk about your childhood? As you say, you, you grew up in, in Mexico. What was your first yeah. time on a horse like for you? Uh, uh, to, uh, first time I got on a horse, I got on the, on the back of a pony with somebody <laughs> else on it. <laughs> and... Uh, so, like, I would do that every day, like, Saturday and Sundays when uh, I wasn't in school. Uh, so, 
I would uh, get on the back of the horse and ride back from the track with the trainer. And sometimes he would go fast and I would just hang on to the <laughs> saddle. And it was just a thrill for me. And that's what I wanted to do. So did you always want to be a jockey? Yeah, since I can remember, I did. I wanted to be a jockey. And yeah, I used to be on, right on, on the couch or my mom was driving the car. I'd be pushing <laughs> like the back seat and just trying to, yeah, I would drive my mom crazy because I was like in the back, like acting like we were in a race with, with other cars. And And your father was a big influence on you as well. Yes, my dad was a jockey. I had my grandfather was a horse trainer. So my one of my uncles was an assistant trainer there. So that's how I learned they would uh, put me on horses. I started exercising horses uh, when I was like 13 years old. So and I was gonna I was so tall too already. Well, I'm not for a jockey. I was a so they uh, they launched my career when I was 15 years old because they didn't think I was gonna ride very long. But I did it for 28 years. And uh, yeah, my dad's the one that helped me a lot uh, riding, and uh, my uncles. Uh, yeah, they all helped me and, you know, took me, I got better as my career went on from this, like at the start, I was kind of slow, but I, I lost my apprenticeship and I kept going on and on and I just wanted to ride and improve all the time. So there was never really any doubt that you wouldn't become a jockey, eh? Like with all the family ties and that? Yeah, there was never any doubt I was going to do it. It was just a matter of how long I was going to do it for because I've always I've always had uh, trouble like doing my weight in the in the races. I always had to reduce, you know what I mean? Uh, like put the rubber suit on after morning workouts and go for a run and then go in the oh. steam room and then relax for a little bit and then go ride races. It was like I had a routine to doing that all the time. But I just honestly there was no other job like it for me. Like it didn't feel like a job till like near the end when I was as I got older, and uh, uh, I, I guess I got a little heavier too. So, uh, yeah, that's don't we all? <laughs> we blame the pandemic on that, though, yeah. Jerry. <laughs> so, yeah, so, me too. So, Jerry, you've talked about your weight. You also have talked about your height, five foot eight inches, and that it is is tall that for is a jockey. Yeah. Absolutely. When did you really have that growth spurt? Was it when you first started riding, or did that happen after age sort of fifteen when you were when you first really became a jockey? I uh, become a jockey at fifteen, and then. Like I was kind of skinny and stuff, but as I guys went into my thirties and stuff, I started. I started. I seemed like I started getting bigger in my late twenties hmm. and thirties. So first I used to tack one hundred and ten, then it was one hundred and thirteen, and then at the end of my career I was doing one hundred and nineteen or twenty. And sometimes when you're doing that heavy, they don't want to ride. People rather go for the smaller people to ride because when you don't win, they make an excuse or like you are a pound over, two pounds over. You know how it is. If you don't win, they find an excuse for you, for you not to, why you didn't win. But, um, it's just like, but now they raise the weight. So now it's easier. But, uh, anyways, Mm. I, I I had a good career. I had a great career. Like if I had to do it all over again, I'd do it the same. You had a fantastic (laughs) career and there's still more to come. Yes. I'm just, uh, I love my new job. So yeah, I'm looking forward to, uh, to start back this season. Well, before we let you go, Jerry, I just want to ask you, what are the plans uh, with uh, Jose this year? Um, obviously, get as many mounts, get get him out there, uh, get the reception to him a, l- a lot more. Um, uh, what are the plans? My plans is to get him uh, to get him on better horses and uh, 
ride and, and hopefully win some of the greater races. And he was, his goal is to be in the top five as jockey. So I think it, it's very possible. So our, my plan is just to work hard with him and, uh, and just win races. You know, it's like uh, you win races, you have to go to work the next day. You don't win races, you have to go to work the next day. So, you know, I just want to work hard for him and uh, hopefully stay healthy and uh, we can do the best we can. Jerry, thanks for doing this. Much appreciated, and, and good luck this year, and good luck to Jose and Luis. Thank you very much. Appreciate it for having me on the show. And it's been a pleasure having you on Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine, all five foot eight of you, Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Dan. It's nice to hear your voice. I always listen to your voice on the radio. Oh, thank you from both of us. Yeah. <laughs> After the break, when we come back, Tampa Bay announcer Jason Beam joins us on Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine, brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Listen live at 1059theregion.com. Live in Ontario? Ever dreamt about owning a racehorse? You need to take Ontario Racing's Horse Ownership 101 Virtual Seminars. Join horse racing expert Elisa Blow and learn about standard bred and thoroughbred ownership opportunities in Ontario with options for every price point. These free sessions are available in a one-on-one setting or as a group. For a list of seminar dates and to book your ownership seminar, go to ontarioracing.com horse ownership today. Enjoy the thrill of the race anytime with HPIBet.com, the number one betting site for experienced horse players. Join for free and watch and wager when you can't bet at the track. Stream live racing from over 500 tracks from around the world. Bet with ease from anywhere. It's safe and secure. Sign up today and get one month free live race streaming. Plus, for a limited time, get a $100 bonus and your first bet is on us. Go to HPIBet.com to join for free today. COSA, the Central Ontario Standard Bread Association, proudly serving Ontario horse people. COSA, helping to ensure and support a collaborative and vibrant harness racing industry based on integrity and accountability. For more information, please visit the COSA website at cosaonline.com or call 905-854-2672. This is 105.9 The Region. Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine covering the world of horse racing, is brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Over to your hosts, Ann Romer and Larry Simpson. Welcome back to Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. Tampa Bay announcer Jason Beam joins us today as the Oldsmar, Florida track hosts a major card of stakes racing, including the $250,000 Sam F. Davis stakes for three-year-olds as the road to the Kentucky Derby continues. Jason, welcome to the show. It's really great to have you with us. It's good to be with you guys. I hope your guys' weather up there is as good as it is down here right now. Oh, yeah. It's, it's 80 degrees Fahrenheit here <laughs> in the GTA in southern Ontario. We have sunshine. We've got palm trees growing. No problem. Good, good. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jason, this is the first time you've been on the show, which is great. Now, let's get to know you a little bit better. Talk about where your interest in horse racing stemmed from originally. Yeah, my uh, my dad was a gambler and a horse player, and used to take me to the races at uh, Long Acres, which was the old track in the Seattle area. We we used to live, I mean, five minutes from it, and so that was our that was our weekends, and uh, just kind of grew up enjoying the sport and got away from it during school a little bit. But my dad, when he got sick, I started taking him to the track, uh, you know, every weekend, and uh, just kind of, you know, after he passed, kept going and 
kind of stumbled into announcing a little bit. I just thought it'd be fun to practice and bought some binoculars and <laughs> somehow like, the track of Portland gave me a chance to call a fill-in race one day. And then the next week got to do a couple more. And then uh, I had a job at River Downs a few weeks after that. And it's been 17 years of doing it since then. So it's been very fortunate, but uh, I've always loved the game and always loved the betting side of things and, and just you know, it's really very cool to get to call horses as well. And you know what? You have a great voice and you enunciate beautifully. So what is it that you bring to track announcing that nobody else does? Uh, I don't know that there is anything I bring. That <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I try I, I try not to be too over the top. I, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty simplistic in my style and want to be smooth and pleasant on the ear. And, uh, you know, I, I don't want to be a, a loud yeller or a carnival barker. And, you know, my one of my good friends is the announcer up there at Woodbine, Robert Geller. And I, I come from yeah. school a little bit in terms of, you know, just kind of a real smooth call and, uh, you know, not being too over the top. And Robert's, uh, he's a friend of the show. He's been on our show a few times and, uh, but uh, let's talk a little bit. How did you get the uh, gig at uh, Tampa Bay? I got lucky. <laughs> uh, the, it, you know, it's one of the, I didn't know anybody here, and a lot of times announcing jobs are kind of you know who you know. Mm-hmm. And it turned out that they had heard me when I was filling in at Monmouth for uh, for a year in 2019 for Frank Miramati, and I had done some filling down at Gulfstream as well for Peter Aiello when he took his vacations in 2018 and 2019. And so uh, they had heard me and knew who I was. I was announcing at Colonial and Grants Pass time and submitted my application and uh, got an interview and um, they actually offered me the job on my birthday a couple years ago which was very cool that's a nice gift mm-hmm. talk to me about yeah, how yeah. how do you prepare for a race let's say today the sam davis stakes today the sam f davis stakes today yep. what is your day like from the time you wake up until the time you open your mouth with a microphone in front of you so last night, I, I will have colored my programs. I'll color in all the saddle towel colors and all the silks colors. We kind of memorize the horses primarily from the silks. Uh, here at Tampa Bay Downs, we actually have color-coded caps for the jockeys, and that helps me a lot because the booth here is very low, and so you don't get the perspective as you would at a woodbine or a track where you're on the sixth floor. Uh, you, you know, it's harder to see those outside horses when they line up, so that that really helps me a lot. But um, as you know, as you get doing it more, you, the memorization part becomes, I think, a little bit easier. And I try not to over handicap the races, to be honest. I don't. I want to report what's happening, not what I think is going to happen or should happen. And so, um, you know, preparation for me is mostly the names and, and the colors, and really just getting strong associations with both. So I don't have to look at my program during the race and can then be focused solely on the uh, the horses on the track. And what about your voice? Do you have to do me 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 <laughs> la 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 to warm it up? <laughs> It's funny. This week is I've, I've I do a podcast for Churchill Downs as well, and so it's just been a lot of talking this week and this morning. It was dealing with a little bit of a sore throat, so last night was a was very much a rest night, uh, trying to kind of be. To me, that's been the the only real issue. It's not so much warm up; it's just kind of taking care. And you got to be careful what you eat. You know, if, if you have reflux, that's bad on your throat, and so. You know, it actually forces me to eat a little better during the day, too, because you want to keep your full capacity of air and not have a full stomach. <laughs> well, before we get to the Sam Davis and the Suncoast Stakes, I, I, I want to ask you, was there an announcer that you maybe patterned your race call style after that you liked? Not yes and no. So I, the announcer I grew up listening to was at Long Acres, a guy named Gary Henson, who, who passed away years ago. But my style's not anywhere near his. But he was just kind of the voice in my head as a kid, and so certainly sparked my interest. Uh, I always say Dave Rodman, the Maryland caller who does the Preakness mm. and uh, at Laurel, is probably the closest style-wise. Like I go pretty fast. I don't, uh, you know, there's not a, a ton of extra fluff. It's a lot of, you know, just the facts, ma'am. 
(laughs) (laughs) Can we talk about another stakes event, the Tampa, the Sun Coast? It's considered a prep for Phillies and the Kentucky Oaks. So what are you you thinking? What are you thinking that you're going to see? Uh, I mean, I'm more nervous to call this one than the Sam F. Davis just because we have the, the Breeders' Cup Philly champ, uh, yeah. Wonder Wheel, and Julia Shiny, who a lot of people are very high on. And so it's it's very much a, a showdown. Was, I was thrilled that there were seven other horses that ended up entering the race and some competitive ones, too. Like, it, it, to me, this does not look on paper like a two-horse race. And, you know, from a speed figure standpoint, a lot of the other horses have higher numbers than Julia Shining does, even though she's going to be a clear, clear second choice. So I think it's an interesting betting race. And from a showdown perspective, it's, it's really, really going to be great. And let's, let's get into the Sam F. Davis then. Uh, who do you like in there? Well, I think the favorite makes sense. I, I, the only thing for me was is a lot of the second, third, fourth type choices, I, I just don't think they're all that different. So I was kind of looking for prices in here. I didn't love Prairie Hawk and Groveland's race. They ran here locally, and I think that might get them some attention. Uh, Classic Car Wash is a horse that's a little bit interesting to me at a big price. Uh, I've talked to a few people that like this horse, so I don't know if we're going to get 20 to 1, but we should be getting a pretty decent price. And then the Todd Pletcher horse on the outside, I think, is going to take some money, but I thought it looked like a logical alternative to the favorite. It sounds to me like betting is increasing in terms of when it comes to races and, you know, sort of this post-pandemic, this real rise in interest in, in horse racing again. Is that the case, do you think, or are you seeing it at the same level as when we were through the pandemic when a lot of race courses were, were closed? Yeah, well, Tampa was one of the very few that kept going throughout that. I mean, obviously, Florida uh, as a whole didn't close up shop as much as a lot of places did. And so Tampa and Gulfstream, along with Oakland, and I think Fonner and Will Rogers were the five, and Remington, I think, maybe were the five that, that really were uninterrupted. And so it, it definitely seemed as though, I mean, I, I know for my podcast, we would get people tell me all the time, like, oh, I, I got into racing because it was the only thing going for a few months. And so I think there was an initial bump. I think Handle the last little bit has been down a little bit across the country. And, you know, I'm sure there's there's reasons for that. But um, I don't know. I, I think there was an initial bump, but I think that's kind of settled. Well, getting back to yourself, was there one race that you've called during your career as an announcer that you maybe still get chills from? Yeah. Uh, yeah, the... When I was at Monmouth, uh, Maximum Security, who won the Kentucky Derby and was disqualified, yeah. he he made his first start back after that at Monmouth in a little stakes, and it was the Pegasus Stakes. And you know, he was. I knew first of all, I knew everybody was going to be watching because he was, you know, very much in the news and everything. And so, uh, it was a small field, but I'll never forget when they turned for home. He, the horse that came and actually beat him that day came for a day. Like they kind of hooked up, and it was just a Monmouth has an outdoor booth, so you really heard the crowd screaming, and. Uh, it was that was for sure an electric moment. You are an excellent track announcer. You're involved in an industry that is multifaceted. Have you ever thought about doing something different within the horse racing industry? Uh, I don't think so. I've done, you know, I do my podcast and I, I like to do a lot of content stuff. I just like to be creative and whatever avenue I can find to do that within racing, I'm uh, I'm more than happy to do that. Well, we talked about, you know, what race as an announcer gives you thrills. How about as a fan? Is there one that you can look back on and, and say, gee, you know, I still remember that race, and I remember where I was and what I was doing? Yeah, the, the race that made me want to be a race caller it was the 2005 uh, American Oaks at Hollywood Park, a horse named Cesario. And Vic Stoffer's call like, just made the hair on my arm stand up. And 
I just remember that was, I bought binoculars the next day because I was just like, that was so cool. And so that I go back and watch that about once a year. I know I can do from about the half mile pole home. I can do the entire call word for word. Are you comfortable telling us a little bit about what's going on right now at Tampa Bay Downs and what makes it such a spectacular venue? Well, the weather certainly doesn't hurt. You know, I mean, we're, just, we're blessed with really good weather this time of year. And and I think one of the neat things about Tampa Bay is we still get really good live crowds most every day. I mean, even a Wednesday. In fact, this past Wednesday, it was the grandstand was like 80% full. And so it was um, – we, we have a great atmosphere here every day, which I think is a live fan is a lot. And, you know, the races are competitive. We get really good fields on the turf, and I think we put out a good betting product. So is it because of the good betting product and the competitive fields and that that your attendance is still good compared to other racetracks? I, I think, well, again, I think the weather and the area play a factor in that. There's obviously yeah. a large retirement community, so we do draw a lot of those folks during the week. But we have great, I mean, there's a lot of younger folks out here, too. And, I, again, I think it's just it's an outdoor activity. The weather's beautiful. And it's a very, it's a pretty track. It's a comfortable place to spend the day. Uh, there's a lot of good places. I think there's just a lot of reasons. And management works hard in terms of, you know, simulcast betting to make sure that our races aren't going off when other tracks are and then really kind of put us uh, in as best a spot possible to maximize the off-track revenue. Is there a race or a venue that you would like to call a race at? Uh, I always have said the Long Acres Mile just because it's my hometown race back in Seattle, but um, I don't know. I, I, also, I also call it Colonial Downs, so apparently this year I'm going to be calling the Arlington Million, which is terrifying. But also, Oh, my gosh, yeah. that's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm yeah. terrified for you, but you'll be great. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. My my secret big race is deep breaths, and I always dump cold water on my neck right before they go to the gate because you got to kind of reset the nerves a little bit. You heard it here first on Ponies twenty four seven, the radio magazine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Last question for you, Jason. Uh, if you weren't calling races, what do you think you'd be doing? Oh man, I don't know. I I, I wasn't calling races for a couple of years and was just doing the podcast. And I, I started looking for jobs outside of racing, and it was it was not a pretty sight. So <laughs> I, I, I true I truly I truly don't know. I, I hopefully something creative, something where I got to you know have fun and and use what I think are my skills and uh, and honestly work with good people. That's I've been really lucky in racing. I've had great bosses, and great people that I work with, and that that just I mean it, this this has never felt like a job in fifteen years. In other words, don't give up your day job or your night job. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> Jay- give, me, give me 25 more years, I'll be thrilled. Oh, you're fantastic. <laughs> Tampa Bay announcer Jason Beam, what a great interview. Thank you. You can tell that you've done this before. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you. After the break, Larry Simpson looks at some racing action today around North America, including Woodbine Mohawk Park and, of course, some racing at several other North American tracks. So please make sure your HBI accounts and Dark Horse app are ready to work overtime today. Stay with us for Larry's Ponies Picks of the Day, sponsored by Rocket Ship Racing. Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine, brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Listen live at 1059theregion.com. Discover a new breed of excitement with Live Horse Racing. Ontario Racing represents 15 racetracks where you can experience the excitement of thoroughbred, standard bred, and quarter horse racing. To find the racetrack nearest you, go to OntarioRacing.com. New to betting? Check out our Betting 101 page and learn about the HPI Bet Wagering platform and the Dark Horse app. The best and safest online betting options. Get your horsepower at OntarioRacing.com and experience the excitement. Ontario Racing. Three breeds, one vision. 
The Horsemen's Benevolent and Protective Association of Ontario, the HBPA, has represented thoroughbred owners and trainers at Woodbine and Fort Erie racetracks since 1950. The HBPA promotes the exchange of ideas to further advance, market and preserve live racing in Ontario while offering new thoroughbred ownership opportunities. Membership to the HBPA is free for owners and trainers. For more information on the HBPA of Ontario, please visit our website at hbpa.on.ca. Pineview Hyundai, the smart choice of automobile dealerships combining horses and horsepower. For over 35 years, the Romeo family has been part of the Ontario thoroughbred racing industry, and they want to invite you to visit their Pineview dealership and view the award-winning Hyundai lineup today as the I Love Winter event is on now. Come see us at 3790 Highway 7 in Vaughan. Call us at 905-851-2851 or visit our website, pineviewauto.com and see why Pineview Hyundai remains the smart choice. This is 105.9 The Region. Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine covering the world of horse racing is brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Over to your hosts, Ann Romer and Larry Simpson. Before we wrap up our show, of course, what would Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine, be without a couple of possible betting opportunities and potential betting gems as Larry gives us his Ponies Picks of the Day, sponsored by Rocket Ship Racing. Larry, the track is yours. Thanks, Ann. I've never had a track. <laughs> <laughs> but let's get right into it here. Gulfstream, they have a 12 race card today, and race 10 is a nice maiden special weight. It's at, uh, it's at one mile on the dirt for three-year-olds, the purse of $84,000. It's a competitive field of 10 entered, including number six, Case, who debuted at Gulfstream on December 31st in a very competitive field. And in this race, Case was bumped twice and just couldn't get by the winner. But since that start, trainer Jonathan uh, Thomas is, has worked this horse four times, including a nice 47-2 and two breeze on February 4th. Trainer Thomas is 24% with maidens making their second start and 29% with horses that have raced, uh, racing with first-time Lasix, which we have with Case today. The extra furlong today shouldn't hurt Case either. And again, trainer Jonathan Thomas is 28% with horses going from a sprint to a route, which is what we have today. So Gulfstream Park, race 10, number 6, Case. Uh, Tampa Bay Downs, as mentioned earlier, is home to the Sam Davis Stakes and several other uh, stakes events uh, today. Uh, the Sam Davis is race 10 on the card and has drawn a 12-horse field. I'm going to take a shot with an improving horse, number two, Prairie Hawk, who hails from trainer uh, Safi Joseph's barn. I love the fact that Prairie Hawk broke his maiden two starts back, then won his next race on January the 13th quite easily. Both races were at one mile and 40 yards distance, and I've always found that only good horses uh, break their maiden and then win right back, like we have here with Prairie Hawk. Uh, also, Prairie Hawk is by curling, so you should love the extra mile and sixteenth er, distance today in the Sam Davis. And he's worked very well since that January thirteenth Tampa race. Uh, trainer Joseph and jockey uh, 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 Sammy Camacho or combined 30% wins uh, when they uh, race together like that. So Tampa Bay, race 10, number two, Prairie Hawk. Uh, Santa Anita has a 10 race card today. Race seven is a one-mile turf event for four-year-olds and up, a purse of $72,000. 
Number one, Alligato's last race on January 7th was a terrific effort, and despite a tough trip, Alligato just got beat a neck in a California state-bred stakes event. In that last race, Alligato was fifth on the rail, blocked on the turn, and then still blocked into the stretch, and when he got some clear running, it was just too late, and Alligato finished second, beating the neck. Alligato shows a nice five furlong work getting ready for today's event, and although Alligato races in open company today, he should be able to adopt accordingly. The rail post should also give Alligato an opportunity to sit a nice trip and stock in the stretch. So Santa Anita, race seven, number one, Alligato. And finally, we got Woodbine Mohawk Park. They have an 11 race card tonight. Race eight is a one mile pace for a purse of $16,000. Number seven, Ideal Perception, was a picture of consistency racing three starts at Flamborough in, and, uh, in early January and also at Western Fair Raceway in London. This guy shipped into Woodbine Mohawk Park in tonight's class and drew post nine in, or two weeks ago and raced off the pace to finish fifth beat in only two and a half lengths, pacing his last quarter in 26 and three. In his last start on January 28th, Ideal Perception had the Unfortunate pleasure of starting from post 12 in the, in the second tier, as this race was a high five mandatory payout event. And he basically raced much of the race overland in that race and faded to finish seventh. When this guy was racing successfully on the B circuit in December and January, he was racing in his preferred style of leaving the gate and winning in wire to wire fashion. Obviously with post nine and the trailing post 12, this option was taken away from his driver, Austin Sorry, but he does have that option tonight and should be able to get some race control with a front-running trip. So Woodbine Mohawk Park, race eight, number seven, ideal perception. Larry, outstanding work as always. Such a pleasure to be with you. I look forward to our time together next week. Before we go, a big shout-out to Mark at Fans of Horse Racing and a final goodbye to you all. And Thank you for listening and joining us on this edition of Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. Just a reminder, if you would like to receive a free digital copy of the current issue of Ponies 24-7 magazine and a new one will be released very soon, please email Larry Simpson at theponies247experience at gmail.com and don't forget about the Ponies 24-7 Lymphoma Canada campaign, Don't Horse Around with Lymphoma. For more info on this, please go to the landing page, lymphoma.ca forward slash ponies, to donate to this worthy cause. Stay with 105.9 The Region all weekend long, and thank you again for listening. Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine with Ann Romer and Larry Simpson has been brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Tune in next Saturday morning at 8 for more from the world of horse racing. This is 105.9 The Region.